Hi, and welcome to the Splitting the Gap podcast. I'm your host, Kobe Flippo, and I'll be covering everything Major League Baseball for any level listener. Baseball, for beginners to experts. Welcome into the show, everybody. Once again, I'm Kobe Flippo, and this is the Splitting the Gap podcast. Today is March the 3rd. It is a Friday, but this podcast will be coming out to you on Monday, March the 6th. So uh, to get us started, tell you a little bit about me. I'm Kobe Flippo. I'm the broadcast productions coordinator at the University of North Alabama and love to talk about baseball. So figured we'll just get right into it. This show is going to be a show about baseball and try and make sure we keep it simple for anyone who wants to listen. So yeah, spring training is already here. Opening day is right around the corner. So what better way to get ready for this upcoming MLB season than to talk about the offseason, see how teams improved and what they're working towards. I want to go through my favorite offseason move for every MLB team. I'll be doing this by going division by division, and today's division is the NL East. So first up, we'll start with the Nationals. The Nationals are simply not good. Their offseason was more about finding pieces they can move at the trade deadline. They're wanting to flip for prospects. I thought their best move was signing Corey Dickerson. They signed him for a one-year, $2.25 million deal. Corey's a guy who hits righties decently well, and he hits the ball really hard. The expectations are really low for this team, but this guy could be a good buy-low signing. The contract wasn't that big. If he can have a good year, they could flip him at the deadline, and... Really, that's what the Nats are wanting anyways. Other than that, they didn't really make any big moves, so this team kind of had a lackluster offseason, but I thought the Corey Dickerson signing was a good one. I didn't really want to spend a whole lot of time on the Nationals because they're really just not contending in any way this year, but this gives us more time to talk about teams who are actually relevant in today's game. That brings us to the Marlins. The Marlins had a decent offseason. They needed help on offense, and they had way too many pitchers. Their best move this offseason was a trade. This trade was a deal between the Marlins and the Twins. This deal was good for the Marlins as they had plenty of pitching, and it gives them a really reliable bat. The Twins received pitcher Pablo Lopez and two really young minor leaguers from the Marlins, and the Marlins got Luis Arias. Luis Arias is who I believe was the Marlins' biggest pickup this offseason. Luis Arias is in the 100th percentile for K-rate. He simply doesn't strike out. He doesn't whiff, and he doesn't chase. This past season, he had a 96% zone contact percentage. He makes contact at an elite level, and if the ball's in the zone, he's going to get the bat on it. Not to mention, he even won the batting title last year in the AL with a batting average of 316. He might lack a little bit on defense, and he doesn't hit the ball extremely hard, but he makes up for it with his consistency at the plate. The Marlins needed a trustable bat, and they got one with Arias. Now moving on from the Marlins, we get to a team who is a contender in the National League, that is the Phillies. This second half of the NL East are all full of contenders, and while the Phillies may not exactly be an elite team, they definitely will be contending in this division and in the National League. The Phillies are coming off a magical playoff run where they found themselves in the World Series. It was clear they were seeking a move this offseason that could help put them over the top, and they did just that, signing one of the game's top shortstops. It was arguable last year that the Phillies' biggest weakness was the shortstop, 
And this offseason, they got their guy in Trey Turner, truly a top shortstop in Major League Baseball. The signing was for 11 years and $300 million. A hefty price tag for a guy who relies on his legs as much as a guy like Trey Turner, but a deal that's well worth it if it can put them over the top. Trey Turner is a guy who makes a lot of contact. doesn't always hit the ball extremely hard, but he's constantly in the uh, chase for the batting title. Just this past season, he had a batting average of 298, and over his career, he's batting over 300 with a 302 batting average. It's another case of a reliable bat, and makes good sense for the Phillies to get a guy like Trey Turner when they have so many power bats like Kyle Schwarber, Bryce Harper, Reese Hoskins, just to name a few. Phillies have a ton of power bats, so a guy who can consistently get on base will be huge for this lineup. Not only can Trey Turner get on base, but he can get the next one too. Trey Turner had 27 stolen bases last year. He's always a threat once he gets on base to steal. He can turn a single into a double at any time. This 11-year deal is really risky on this guy, but if it can take them back to the World Series or even just the top of the NL East. Next up is the New York Mets. The Mets seem to always have either the lead in the NL East or they're at least way up at the top. The Mets had quite an interesting offseason. I would like to compare it to a roller coaster. To start the offseason, they lost their ace, Jacob deGrom, to the Texas Rangers. Then they struck a deal with a top-tier shortstop in Carlos Correa, but that deal fell through. Yet, through all this, they were still able to make a splash and get their new ace, Justin Verlander. Losing DeGrom is very difficult because DeGrom is one of the best pitchers in Major League Baseball when he's healthy and on the mound. But the best way to replace him is to go out and get a Cy Young caliber pitcher, and that is Justin Verlander. Verlander is 40 years old and coming off major surgery, Tommy John surgery, which ends some pitcher's career. Nonetheless, he just won the Cy Young. The Mets signed him to a two-year, $86 million contract. And while that's a lot of money for a 40-year-old, he just won the Cy Young. You have to expect some regression. He can't keep pitching at this level. But when you're replacing one of the best pitchers in the MLB, the Mets did the best they could. He may be 40, but he just had an earned run average under 2. That is unheard of. Elite. And all coming off Tommy John, which makes it even more absurd. He had 18 wins, and he also had a 28% strikeout rate. He also had a 38% ground ball rate. Basically, if he wasn't striking a guy out, he was keeping the ball on the ground, which led to short, quick innings and helped the Astros last season and will surely help the Mets this year. Last but not least, we have the Atlanta Braves. The Braves won the NL East for the fifth straight time in 2022, and overall they had a fairly quiet offseason. Most of their moves came during the season where they extended most all of their young talent to long-term deals. With the young core locked up, the Braves didn't have to do much, but GM Alex Anthopoulos went out and made a big deal anyways. This deal was a very weird trade that included the Oakland Athletics, Milwaukee Brewers, and Atlanta Braves. The Braves in the deal got catcher Sean Murphy. The Oakland Athletics got Freddie Tarnock, Kyle Muller, Manny Pena, and Roy Salinas from the Atlanta Braves, and Estuary Ruiz from the Milwaukee Brewers. The Brewers got 
William Contreras and Justin Yeager from the Braves, and Joel Pyamps from the Oakland Athletics. What made this deal so weird is that the Brewers really had no place in the trade. They were kind of just there and benefited from it while not really having to give up all that much. The A's really had no reason to do this deal either, but they did get a few decent arms and Estuary Ruiz, who is an absolute speedster. He had 70 stolen bases in the minor leagues last year, and that's just insane, especially considering a guy like Trey Turner, who we talked about earlier, only had 27 in Major League Baseball last year. But the most important part of this deal was the Atlanta Braves portion. They got a catcher in Sean Murphy, who is truly one of the top catchers in Major League Baseball. He's an elite defensive catcher, as he was second in pop time only to the Phillies' J.T. Romuto. He's an elite framer and has an elite arm. Not to mention, he's an above-average hitter. Sean Murphy's the kind of guy who's really going to benefit from moving out of the Oakland Athletics' massive park. Moving to a hitter-friendly park such as Truist Park in Atlanta and having so much more protection and a better lineup is going to allow Sean Murphy's power to truly shine. The catcher the Atlanta Braves gave up, William Contreras, was definitely an upgrade at the plate over Sean Murphy, but the Atlanta Braves' offensive lineup is already so loaded that they could really afford to give up this bat in order to get a better defensive catcher in Sean Murphy. With all the rule changes that occurred this offseason, general manager Alex Santhopoulos is probably expecting a lot more stolen bases. In order to combat this, he went and got a catcher who can throw some guys out, as William Contreras and current catcher Travis Darnot really aren't as capable of doing so as Sean Murphy. To wrap up today's episode, I really just wanted to give my perspective on each of these teams and kind of get away from the statistics that we've talked about today and just really give you my opinion. So going back to the Nationals, you know, the Nationals, once again, they're just not good. So anything they really do is really just for the future. Whatever they're doing right now is not to, to have success this year, but maybe five or ten years down the line. So we don't really have to focus too much on them. The Marlins are knocking on the door, but they're just not quite there yet. They've got the arms, and they made some good acquisitions this year, but they're still not quite there. This division is really a three-team race between the Phillies, the Mets, and the Braves, and that's kind of how it's been for the past few years now. The Mets have been jumping out to early leads, but generally lose it toward the end of the year to the Braves. So I'm really not expecting that much different this year. I expect the Braves to carry this division away and uh, win it again. But digging into the Phillies' offseason, you know, they, they filled the biggest hole they had, in my opinion, at shortstop with what I, who I believe is to be the best shortstop in the game in Trey Turner. As for the Mets, the Mets didn't really need to do all that much. If it weren't for the, you know, late-season collapses they've had the past few years, then we might be having a totally different conversation right now. Getting a guy like Justin Verlander, who is obviously capable of still winning a Cy Young, he might can help them get over that hump of late in the year when they start to fall apart. Sure, the Mets lost a guy in Jacob Bagram, who's one of the most talented pitchers that Major League Baseball might have ever seen. But he's constantly hurt, and that probably tends to be one of the big reasons why the Mets fall apart late. A guy like Justin Verlander, who has the potential to pitch all the way through the year and stay elite, that could help push them over the hump. Nonetheless, I still think the Braves have the best lineup and pitching staff in the NL, only rivaled by that of maybe the Los Angeles Dodgers. They made a really big move this offseason that helps push them forward. The Braves' true biggest weaknesses right now are probably shortstop and left field, 
but they have guys who can fill those roles fairly well for them right now. As for left field, they have Eddie Rosario, who's shown glimpses of being an elite player in the postseason. Whether he can do that or not remains a mystery, especially coming off of a very weird season where he battled injuries, but he's shown glimpses. As for shortstop, they have Vaughn Grissom, who didn't play much but did come up at the end of last year and shown he can handle his own at the plate. So we'll see what Ron Washington can do with him defensively and see if he can be a proper replacement for Dansby Swanson. The NL East is always a super tight division, and I don't expect that to change. While I've already said that I believe that the Atlanta Braves are going to be the team that ultimately comes out on top of this division, I can't say that they had the most impactful offseason. The team that had the best offseason, in my opinion, for this division had to be the Philadelphia Phillies. They improved their bullpen and really every aspect of their team, and they filled their biggest hole at shortstop. Anyways, these are just my opinions, but I'd like to hear from you as well. If you want to reach out with your own opinion, maybe debate a little bit against mine, reach out to me at KobeFlippo33 on Twitter, K-O-B-Y-F-L-I-P-P-O-3-3 on Twitter, or reach out to the podcast at SplittingTheGap on Twitter. You can also find me on Instagram at KobeFlippo. If you're interested in visiting our website, you can find that in the bio of our Twitter. Once you find the website, find the Contact Us page in the top right corner of the homepage. There, leave us any feedback you might have. All in all, I really do appreciate you listening to the first ever Splitting the Gap podcast episode. I hope you come back and join us again next time as we will dive into the NL Central and a special guest interview with a North Alabama baseball player you don't want to miss. Thank you for joining us. Once again, this is Kobe Flippo, and thank you for listening to the Splitting the Gap podcast. If you enjoyed the show today, please leave us that five-star review. Give us a like or follow on socials, or subscribe to either Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever it is you listen. Once again, thank you for listening to the Splitting the Gap podcast.